With the holidays right around the corner, be sure to plan for your spring and summer training for your player. Visit VanguardHockey.com to see the dates and locations and see if we're coming to your area soon. We have Long Island, California, Detroit, England, Germany, and back to Staten Island and New York City planned so far with more dates and locations on the way. Visit VanguardHockey.com and book your players' registrations today. What you're about to listen to is part one of a two-part series with our guest, Lee Elias. Peter and I strive to give you, the listener, a premium podcast experience. One of the ways we plan to deliver this is by keeping podcast times down to what we deem a reasonable time allotment. As this interview and conversation, in our opinion, was going too well to cut short, we decided to keep things rolling and cut this conversation into two. Thank you, as always, for your support of Katsumoto Conversations, and enjoy this great chat with Lee Elias. Hello, everybody. We are a band from Slovakia called Cito Band and Rene Rendi. And now you're listening to the podcast Katsumoto with Peter Sikoro and Jeff Lobmanov. I want to pose a question because as a coach now, I see something more nowadays than I ever did as a kid. And it's the parents who stay for practice. <laughs> okay. And I can tell by your laugh that I that was <laughs> yeah. and pardon me if I'm if I'm, you know, kind of throwing it at the wall here, but I'm guessing your parents didn't. My parents didn't. I don't know about Peter's parents, but I've never, I never experienced parents staying for practice. Right. I mean, and and nowadays. I, is this something, and I'm asking so I can be informed, it's like, is this something where like parents think their kids won't think that they love them unless they stay for practice and hover over and watch every repetition? And I just, it it actually boggles my mind. So if you can give me some insight to that about things that you've experienced in your coaching and playing, I would love to hear it. Yeah, you know, I, I think I have a little more of a pessimistic approach. I, I think a lot of times when I find parents really intently kind of staying to watch the practice again, there's a difference between just being there and like really watching. Yeah. There's a few things. One is if you're just there to kind of support your kid and you're just sitting there, I I think that's great. I really do. Right. Just, you love watching your kids skate. I think that's to to me, that's the correct way. Right. Uh, I think there's a lot of people out there going, critiquing the coaches of this is how this should be done. This is how my kid needs to learn. And I think sometimes parents, you know, forget, you know, you're only watching your kid. <laughs> and as a coach, I've said this to parents before, you don't know how much we care about your kid. Yeah. Thing is, we care about all the kids, but we, we really care about your kid. But I'm I'm coaching a team, you know, and I've got to make the best decisions for the team. Right. And sometimes that means that a drill may not be perfect for your kid, but it's right for the team. Right. Um, or the other one is, uh, and I see this mistake a lot too, unfortunately, is a kid's excelling at something, which is great. Uh, and the parent wants them to continue to focus on that. And it's like, you know, your kid really needs to learn all the positions and need, you know, if your kid's a fantastic right wing, that's great. I mean, we don't really play the game that way anymore, but my, my point is like, you know, I've, I've had these kids, uh, uh, or situations where they can't catch the defenseman keeps screwing up the pass out to the wing. All right, get your kid on defense and make that pass. Yeah. Right. Well, no, no, he's a good wing. Yeah. If he wants to be a, like, like here, here's a better example. You, you're a great athlete. You should be playing multiple sports really until about 15 years old, you know, give or take a few, a few best in years here. Right. Great athletes are great athletes. So I think it's a hyper focus on what my kid is owed. I find that's the attitude. 
uh, I think that's what's different about when I was a kid. I wasn't owed anything. I never, I was never told I was owed anything. Uh, I was told what I owed them. I was told that I owe them my best effort yeah. and I owe them my attention. Um, it, it, there's, there was a flip somewhere. But, but again, everybody listening, I'm not saying this is every parent. I don't want to, you know, upset people, but that's the flip I've seen is there's accountability problems of, we see this in school. Like it was never the teacher's fault when I was growing up, nope. ever. It was my fault, whether it was or not, it was my fault. I, I, can, I can only remember one time in, in, in the entire 12 grades that my parents backed me up on something. And it's only because they saw me do it. Right. It was never my, my, it was never the teacher's fault. So um, that's newer. I'd say um, I, I think it goes back to what I said earlier about, we don't want our kids to feel pain and we hover them and we're trying to do the best we can. Um, and, you know, Peter, to go back to the other question, like you got to know when to back off. You got to do, you do got to know when to defend your kid. Right. But like, look, look, we've all had a crappy year with a bad coach, right? It, it, parents, what is your response to that? Do you point the finger at the coach and at the teammates or do you, you know, point at the situation. This is a bad situation. How are we going to respond to it together? Yeah. The answer is not always let's go find another team. Sometimes it is, but it's not always that. It's how are, you're going to be on a bad coach. Are you going to be with a bad coach on a bad team this year? How are we going to navigate having a bad year? Because that's a life lesson. And guess what, people? It happens at the NHL level too. Yeah. Right? You hear horror stories about this from players from time to time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, no, it's, uh, I've been coaching youth hockey for 10 years and there is some that see some parents, but you know, most of the parents cannot put together expectations of their sons and the ability of mm. their sons. And that's sometimes it's very, very hard and doesn't matter as a coach, what you do and you can maximize the ability of that player. You still never going to be good enough coach for them. Right. Very simple. Right. Look, look, it's no different than a, 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 a partner not being good enough for your kid to marry. <laughs> like they're never going to be good enough for my kid. And, and the truth is, you know, parents, I hate to say this too, as a parent, I'm a parent, I'm gonna have to deal with this. It doesn't really matter what we think. The kind of heart wants what it wants. Exactly. You know, you know, you, you were going earlier, Jeff, I, I wanted to say this too about love. And again, not to be wishy-washy, here's something people don't realize. Love is expressed in a lot of different ways. Yeah. You can have love through action. I am doing these things for you. That You see this in blue-collar working families. I'm working my butt off because I love you, and I want you to have food. You can show love through inaction. I am not going to get involved because I don't want to be in the way. What's funny is when you get someone who shows love through action and inaction together, it's like they completely miss each other. Because how can you love them if you're not doing anything? It's, you can show love through pain. I have met, we've all met a kid that's angry for no reason. And I'd say 90% chance their parents were like that too. That's how they show love. Their parents were always yelling at them, always on top of them. So when the kid loves hockey, what does he do? He starts screaming at you because that's what he thinks love is. They're not aware of it or she, right? Um, you have to be aware of these things as a coach, as a parent, and you have to be patient with them. It's and not, I guess, not judgmental. Be curious. Why would a kid be that way? Why would a parent be that way? You're not gonna, you're not gonna figure it out for all of them. And even if you do, they're not gonna, they might not be willing to listen. But this is about you, 
right? Listen, Jeff, I got to tell you this too. You're talking about, I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you this. You talked about being a parent and, and the P, uh, Peter Sakura Life Lessons book that, that you're getting, which I love. Um, I'll tell you one more from me, for you as a new father, okay? Um, I talked before about how do you define success? I have a very, very clear definition of this when anybody asks me, as long as they're not being specific to with this team or something like that. This is my definition of success. If my kids go to bed and my wife every night knowing that I love them and I know that they love me, I have won the day. That is every day for me. And and I have a pretty good record with that so far. All right. But that, that Peter, back to what we were talking about, that is my priority. If they go to bed questioning that, I have failed dramatically that day. Right. And again, that to, to my knowledge has not happened yet, but that's my definition of success. And then it all trickles down from there. When that's my definition, you put that up against, you know, a, co- a professional team I might be coaching. Don't get me wrong. I want to win. I'm very competitive. <laughs> yeah. I hate losing and I'm very competitive. But if you think that that win or that championship is more important than my kids knowing that you can go to hell. Yeah. I probably won't work with you. Right. By the way, the teams succeed, get it. Can't, can't stress that enough. So I wanted, I wanted you to know that man, as you, as you jump into fatherhood, because Appreciate I it. think that's been a pretty good gauge for me. I think that's a hell of a lesson and something that's yes. resonated. It is well, perfectly said. It was awesome. Thank you, man. Appreciate that. That was yeah. awesome. Yeah. So I, I know that I this is- just walked in and I cannot get up and kiss him. Well, go do it. You can, do whatever. <laughs> you can get up, go get up and do it. Go ahead, man. Just do it all day. Nothing's stopping you. We're recording this. There you go. Hi guys. Hey, buddy. Up, Nikki, how we doing, man? Good job. You have a good practice, buddy. Yeah. Looking tan. How's the toe? A little bit. A little bit. Okay. Hey, your dad loves you, buddy. <laughs> they just said that I love you. He does. There you go. <laughs> see oh, see. There you go. You won the day, Peter. There you go. That's it. That's oh. it. See all those NHL uh, contracts. They don't make you feel as good as that. No. <laughs> That's it. That's my life right there. That's all I need. Love it. So this is. I, I want to ask you something, Lee, and and mm. I know that uh, you know we talked about this before that uh, Jeff Lavecchio could be one of. I've met, I've been blessed with meeting a lot of amazing people uh, in starting my skills company, Vanguard Hockey International. Um, Jeff Lavecchio is at the tops of that list. Right, he's truly an all-encapsulating, amazing person. I can't say enough nice things about him. I think we'd have to have a whole nother podcast episode of you know because Jeff and I talk quite often, and and he's helped so many of my players. And um, he's he gets I'm, not, I'm not. Yeah, he does. He does. I'm not sitting yeah. here just trying to throw plugs at people. Oh no, I'll, I'll plug you him know, all day. It's, <laughs> he's a great guy. Yeah. He's a great guy. He does so many amazing things. And and obviously, I heard uh you on the think tank mm-hmm. so you know and and in in looking up things that you know in your background you know they mention it as well that on your website at the top it says trust is the fundamental keystone of life right and how as a parent can or or to rephrase that how can a parent see through the fog and see through the trees of the forest and without just that gut instinct, what are the attributes that you would recommend that a parent looks for, whether it be for a coach, an mm. advisor, any type of mentor, 
Um, I'd like to keep this a little bit more sports specific, if you don't mind, you know, yeah, of course. going in on that on this, um, because this is something that I'm asked quite often and I give and, you know, a lot of the people that listen uh, may have their own definitions of this or been told different things, but I, I, I would really like to hear it from you. Like what, without asking the same question, but like, what are the things that you look for and kind of, I guess I'll do it. Like, how do you define trust? Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> always the question I'm asking. I had, you, you, I'm sorry. I couldn't think of anything else. Yeah, no, no, it's fine. Look, look, look I, I, I can tell you my definition, but let me, before I do that, here's the deal. It, it, it's more important that everybody understands that everyone has a slightly definition of the word. And we don't talk about that enough, you know, again, for your audience. And this is, this is what I do typically, right? I've said this on many podcasts. If I ask you to define that audience, the word trust without using the word trust in the definition, how would you define it? Yeah. And you're probably going to sit there for a minute and be quizzical. How would I define that? I've never had to define that before. And then you realize things like, wow, that's a feeling. There's a feeling I have with that. And you dive in deeper and you realize there's levels to this. So the one I always use, you, you probably trust that the post person is going to bring your mail. Maybe not USPS anymore, but you know UPS is definitely going to be there on time. But you're not going to just leave the UPS person with your kids to watch them. You don't trust them to do that. So there's levels to trust. There's There's feelings with trust. Your trust is very much based on your own experience. Right. If you come from a downtrodden area where violence is apparent all the time, your definition is going to be very different than people in suburbia or maybe even in the upper class. Right. So it's a very complex thing. And the most fundamental aspect of any relationship you're going to have. So the point I'm making is we don't spend enough time on it. So number one is you got to educate yourself on what is trust to you. That's number one. If you don't know what it is for you, how are you going to know what it is in somebody else? Well, they seem trustworthy. They say they're going to do this. Yeah, everybody says what they're going to do, right? But are they going to do it? So one is defining that word for yourself. I'll spare you guys the exercise where you have to do that. Um, at the base level, trust is your ability to rely on somebody else. But I think it goes deeper than that. You know, trust to me can I have a conversation with this person? Are they waiting for their turn to speak? Or are they really listening to me? This is something I've had to do. I talk a lot, talk for a living, right? I realize I got to become a better listener, right? Where, where is this person's ego in regards to what they want to do? Is this about them or do they have a bigger picture that they want me or my kid or anybody to be a part of? These are the questions I explore, right? Another thing that I recommend everyone do when coaching, you want to make it sports specific, Obviously, have a conversation with that coach, but ask people that that coach has has coached before. Ask the parents, ask the other kids. What type of person is they? Is is he or she? Right? You get ten people. I screwed me. Well, I mean, th that's probably not a coincidence, right? You get ten people. Best coach I ever had. Great communicator. Did this for me. Did that for me. Ten people say that. That's a really good sign, right? I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And and, and I, I always say with me, you know. Don't define me by what I say, you know, do your own research, you know, you know, ask other people what they think. Like, I, I want you to believe in me, right? Like, you know, we say trust is earned a lot, uh, you know, and it's true to us, to a sense. Um, I'm a big believer, like, you know, I'm a trustworthy person from the moment you meet me, but I know that I need you to know that. And I'm always curious on my end, what is it that you need to, to understand that? 
All right. Now here's one more last thing about it. Uh, Jeff, Peter, you know, uh, untrustworthy people are always going to be, or think that someone else is untrustful. Right. I, I think that's another thing we don't talk about. Like, like I always say cheaters cheat and they, they think that everyone's cheating cause they cheat. It's almost like, like, uh, you know, a mutation of the thought, right? Well, I cheat. So everybody cheats. I lie, not me, but you know, metaphorically, I lie. So everyone lies, right? That's, that's kind of the human experience, right? I'm trustworthy. This is me now. I am trustworthy. So I want to believe that other people can be that way. And I'll tell you this about me too. You break my trust once it is extremely hard virtually impossible to get it back. You might get some level of it, but you won't get it back. And I live by that. Yeah. All right. Um, you know, I, I am, I am as trustworthy as possible all the time. We talked about this before the show. Yeah, we did. Right. And, and I'll tell you right now, it would be very hard for anybody that knows me to say that that's not true. And I take a lot of pride in that. All right. That's, that's kind of what I'm the Michael Jordan of, if you will, is that to be a trustworthy person. All right. Um, and I was, I was saying this before the show too. It's funny when you talk about that because people will try and catch you in a lie. They're so curious. Like, how can this person be that trustworthy? They must lie sometimes. Why would your mind go there? Right. <laughs> because right. you do that. You know what I mean? So, so again, a lot to dissect there. But the truth is this, man. Trust is not a 60-second topic. It's a lifetime topic. There's levels to it. It's complex. You got to define it for yourself before you can expect it from somebody else because you don't know what the expectation is. Right. The expectation of trust is like, that guy won't screw me. I mean, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I re really hope my mechanic doesn't screw my car up too, man. But <laughs> I, I don't really have a choice here. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, so, yeah, it, it, that's how I look at it. And I wish um, teams and coaches would study this more. And I, I will say this, as I said on the think tank, if you don't have that established for your team collectively, keeping in mind that everyone has a little bit of a different definition of that. If you don't define that for your team, you are not going to win. And if you don't continually define it throughout the year and bring it home over and over again, you are not going to win. Every successful team I've ever been on, I'm sure it's the same for both of you. Every team that I've been on, the level of trust was probably heightened or higher or the highest it's ever been. It was there. Even with players I didn't like, I knew I could trust them to do their job. That's the levels thing again. All right. And they did their job and we won together and we will walk together forever in those moments. The teams that didn't do well, it wasn't there. <laughs> it's like, it's almost every time. All right. And I'm talking about just wins and losses. I also had teams that didn't succeed in the win column, but we did a lot together. There was some level of it there, but you can't succeed without it. You know, I'd like to defer, you know, some, some insight to the man who played on one of the greatest lines in hockey history and, and, and your levels of trust with your teammates in, in all of those years. What's what say you, Mr. Scora? Like, I mean, the trust that you had with those guys is, it must've been on a different plane. So I'd love to hear about it. Well, definitely. Yes. It's, uh, you know, but sometimes, you know, that's exactly what you, what you guys are saying that, uh, you know, you have that trust and you kind of, there is not five years to build that. So you can see a lot of great teams never go anywhere and you can see why. And, you know, it's, it's the trust and, you know, me, there are Perry, Arnie and me being on the line, we clicked right away. 
with that trust right away. Like, right. you know, it doesn't happen often. And that's why we were so good together. You know, we, uh, uh, you know, then I think all three of us were playing maybe even with bigger and better players at some point in our careers on the same line, but it never clicked because there was always something between us. There was always, there wasn't that trust. There was always something that, you know, was kind of missing there. You know, that guy, you know, knew he was there just for one year, tried to get a new contract and leave. And there was never a trust there. You know, it was kind of like just about me, but, you know, we were so good together because we were young, we were driven and we trust each other. And uh, we didn't really look beyond the next game or we didn't look beyond what's going to happen in two years. We just kind of went out there and play and trust each other. We knew what every single one of us can bring to the line. We did it. You know, I could rely on Patty that he's going to be in that corner for me. So I knew he's going to be there so I can put the puck there, you know, and he he wasn't thinking, oh, my God, I might get hit and get hurt. Like, you know, like it was just kind of pure. It was just pure. And, uh, you know, we had three years together where sometimes when I watch the tapes, I go, oh, oh, oh my God, we were really, really good. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh Definitely, you know, the trust is so important. It is so important and it comes down to family. And and uh, I think, uh, you know, it's always, that's why the family is so important for me because everything, if you do it right with the family, you can take so much to the hockey or to the job or to school. Or, and, uh, you know, I think uh, just like you were saying before, and, and I, always kind of my mind goes 25 different directions right now you were saying before that uh uh the kids even when they don't listen they fight with you they they see what's happening at the family and they take it with them and e even though they don't know about it i always get that nikki is a great teammate but he got it from the family it's right. not like he was born the great teammate. So, uh, you know, it just, uh, I can really say that, that me, Arnie and Patty, we were almost like a family together. You know, we were, there was nothing evil behind it. It was just like a pure trust, having fun, being the boys, playing hockey, doing something what we love. And all of a sudden, all three of us kind of like took our game to another level. And, uh, you know, I think if, that's the good answer, Jeff. It's a, look, look, I, I want to follow up to that. Let, let me ask this. This is a cool one, Peter, right? How many times have you felt that in your life, that level of trust? Great question. Well, yet again, the trust I get from my wife and right. my kids is all the way up there. Mm -hmm. And you said there's a different level of trust. But the trust at hockey, I probably, this, this level of it, was only with these two guys really exactly now yeah. this, that's what i want to dissect yeah. what would you do to find that again and and it, it, that's a little bit of a rhetorical question what i mean is this we don't as a society pursue that enough we don't even dissect it enough of why you felt that way or why people feel that way and then pursue it because we're too busy ripping each other apart right now to try and come together. And this is one of the larger things, and this is not just hockey. 
society, you know, people here, you hear them say it all the time, we're, oh, we're further apart than we've ever been. I, I always joke, yeah, we're further apart into teams. <laughs> but the point is this, we're pursuing the wrong thing. Everyone's pursuing gotcha moments and I've got one up on you and my kid's better or whatever. We're not pursuing questions like, how can we find that level of trust in each other? Because there's so much distrust out there we can't even get past that to, to, to focus on trust. And here's the thing. It's kind of like a kid being born. It's rare, very rare, extremely rare that you're going to find that level of trust with people outside your own family. Sometimes you don't even have in your own family, right? That's something worth pursuing. And that's why I've dedicated my life to it professionally. I want people to come together. I want people to believe in the power of trust and teamwork again. That's why it's on my website. Jeff, as you, as you said it before, that's worth pursuing. We yeah. can do that together by shows like this, by hearing stories like that. I love the way you just told that. Why would we not pursue that? What are we pursuing? We're pursuing society's BS standards on what success is, and they're all wrong. Make a lot of money, become an influencer, right? Or disagree with your... Those those are not my definitions. I'll tell you this one more quick thing. Someone very close to me was having a hard time, and he said, I'm a failure. I said, why are you a failure? I don't have a steady job. I don't have this. I said, why does that make you a failure? Well, that's what I'm, you know, he didn't have an answer. I said, well, what is success to you? And he said, well, having a job. I said, no, that's that's BS. That's what society's definition is. What is success to you? He said to me, I swear to God, taking care of my family. I said, do you take care of your family? He goes, yes. I said, then you're a success. Yeah. You got to snap out of it. No. We're not. lost on the wrong definitions of success, of trust, of community, of teamwork, of identity. All these things, are, they're mutated right now. And I'm hell-bent to change that, just as you two are as well. As you were, as you were going through that, as you were going through that, uh, I'm sorry, my, it just sounded so much like Tyler Durden, just working jobs we hate and buy shit we don't yeah. and it, shit it, we don't need. And it's true, but it, yeah. it, it really is true. Like, you know, uh, obviously, you know, you need money to be able to provide in certain ways and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, I, I do remember I was living in Canada playing juniors and, and that was actually a conversation that was had between myself and my billet dad, who to, to this day is like a second father to me, one of the most amazing people in my life and a huge influence. And, and he went, went on talking about, you know, like, cause we come from such different, you know, societies, even though our countries are so close, like th they lived in Western Ontario, uh, Western Ontario, sorry. And, uh, they were farmers. Oh, there, there's a language barrier between Canada and the U.S. A lot of people don't realize that there totally is. It's and I don't mean that literally, obviously. No, yeah, no, I, no, yeah. I get it. I get, yeah, I get. It's it. a cultural thing. Yeah, they, they're, they owned a farm in Western Ontario in Tomato Country, and I'm from Long Island, New York, which <laughs> is a totally different. Say right, Long Island, New York, Long yes. Island, Long Island, yeah, Long Island. And you know, he he we had this conversation and he asked me, like, what what is your definition of success? And when I was 19 years old, I was I, I went off of what I was in, you know, what was in my enculturation bag, which is like, you know, live in a live in a nice, beautiful big house, right. drive a beautiful car and have all these things and be able to buy Louis Vuitton t-shirts as uh, you know, pajamas and be able to use it on the, you know, whatever all those materialistic things were. 
And he was like, you know what my definition of success is like paraphrasing. This is, you know, 13, 14 years ago. But I remember the message was I've got my friends. I've got my family. I have a roof over my head. I do right. well enough to be able to provide. I'm a success. People, people like me. People want to be around, right? I'm not this outcast shoved away. Uh, you know, we have a social circle and, and people enjoy being around me. That's a success because I don't have a million friends. I have enough to count on one hand pretty much like, but people, you know, people trust me and, and I'm welcome. That's right. a huge success. And, and, you know, as a 19 year old kid, that's, that's profound, when totally. you have such a, a mindset on what a definition of something is, and then someone who can, you know, alter that, because also you also have to be open to have your mind changed, right? You can't, you can't change right. your mind unless your mind is open. When, the, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Right. That's a great I quote. Believer of that. And I'll, I'll tell you this too, you know, think about it. You were 19 and how long did it take for that to kind of resonate before you really fully understood it? And, and Peter, this goes back to what we said before. And Jeff, for you as a new dad, you know, I, I heard that plenty of times probably growing up. Maybe I didn't acknowledge it, but I heard it. Yeah. And so when I was ready to understand it, it was in my memory banks to activate. And I think that's another thing with parenting is that, you know, I know, I know <laughs> personally, it probably feels like your kids might not be listening. They probably are. Right. And you might have to tell them a hundred times before it activates, but if you don't tell them, they're definitely not going to know. All right. It, it, again, Put your seatbelt on, put your seatbelt on, put your seatbelt on. But there's a reason you tell your kids this all the time, because if you don't tell them, they're not going to do it. Right. And then there's the other thing, too, is Peter, you're making me think, too, and, and, and Jeff, you, too, is that, you know, we don't expect our kids to just get up and walk one day. Like you are patient with them and you encourage them to, to stand up. Or first, it's, it's just roll over or get your head moving, then it's roll over, then it's get up and then it's stand and it's walk and then it's run. We're so patient with that from birth till about three. And then somewhere along the lines, it's just like, no, do it faster, do it fast. We kind of lose it. And it, look, some of that's just growing up. Don't get me wrong. I wish we could bring some of that patience to 15 years old. Mm -hmm. You know what you said, meet them where they're at. Remember what you were like and just try and craft it. It might not work, but craft your response or your questions in a way that that might resonate with them. And be patient. We're so impatient today. Uh, some of that's because of the way media works in terms of just we're constantly instant gratification. Yeah. Give yourself permission to be patient with all this stuff because you've got the time you have. You know, we talked to get the whole podcast, present moment awareness. I'll, I'll tell you this last story and I'll stay on with you guys as long as you want, but I know you probably have lives too. Um, cool hockey story. I was over in England recently coaching. Um, professional hockey over there, which is always a one lovely, beautiful experience. And I had this young kid, ask really you, great kid. Sorry to cut you off. But I was going to ask you how you got linked up with the Phantoms. Oh, I, my wife served in the Air Force. I was stationed over there. <laughs> so, so uh, first thing I, I did was, was, I was I've been waiting. No, no, it's totally that. fine. Yeah, Last hour and a half, and I'm glad you segued into that because I was like, right. how the hell did you get linked up? I, I could I talk a whole podcast on my wife and how she's my hero, uh, but my wife served honorably in the Air Force, uh, and she joined because she couldn't pay for medical school, and that was how she found her way to pay for medical school, and she grew up in a, a, a very poor family. Again, you know, she gives me perspective all the time. I grew up in a nice, beautiful suburban atomic family. She grew up with literally nothing. Um, and she found a way to make it work, but uh, I had already been coaching in the game and we were, you know, shipped over there and that I called them and that was the closest team and we made it work um, to the point. They still have me come back. Like I said, it was just years after we left. 
Um, but this quick story, uh, there was this, there's this kid working over there. He's 20 years old. His name's Ben. Fantastic kid. Unbelievable work ethic. Um, and he wants to be uh, really involved in pro sports. And I remember before the game, I was standing there kind of looking at the ice. And he comes up to me. And he says, uh, so, like, what's your goal? What are, what are you trying to accomplish? I was like, what do you mean? He's like, like, well, what, what's your goal? You want to you work in the NHL? You want to p- coach pro hockey? And I looked at him. I was dead serious, guys. I looked him right in the eye. I said, you know, my goal is to be right here, right now. And he kind of laughed at me. He's like, yeah, no, I, but what is, your, like, what is your goal? I said, no, I don't think you're hearing me. My goal is to be right here, right now. I am a very present person. I'm taking this in. This is a lovely ice arena. And this, that's my goal is to be present. I'm not really worried about where I'm going to be 10 years from now or five years from now. With that said, very hard to do when you're 15 yeah. <laughs> and life's coming at you. All right, It's very hard, but you can start planting the seeds for your kids at a very young age to be present. I work with might teams on this all the time and they do really good at it. All right. But my goal is to be present and where I'm at. I'm not trying to be five minutes ahead or five minutes behind athletes. You know, and you're in a game. You can't do that. I talked about this on a recent uh, video I did about being in the zone. What is being in the zone? You're just completely present. Right. Not worried about past, future. You're only focused on the moment. That's being in the zone. Athletes, you have a stronger ability to do that than most. That's why you succeed in the workforce after you're done playing. But I remember telling him that he was so quizzical about it, but he, he, Kind of got it. I said, I'm not, I am not worried about future aspirations at this point. Right. Took me a while to get there, but I want to be right here, right now. That's my goal. Same thing with this podcast, same thing with tomorrow and moving forward. ResTech is a high performance grip for your blade that gives you an edge over tape and wax. Practically weightless and with zero drag on the ice, ResTech is scientifically proven to give a boost to speed, accuracy, and energy transfer. I've been using ResTech exclusively on my stick for just about a year now, and I will never go back to tape. It lasts 8 to 10 sessions, easily applicable and easily removed. Try ResTech today by going to ResTech.com and using code VanguardHockey15% for 15% off your order. That's VanguardHockey15 and then the percent symbol at R-E-Z-Z-T-E-K.com. Evolve your blade, evolve your game. I've got one last question for you uh, that uh, has been kind of bouncing around my brain. And I think it'd be a really strong way to end this for, for parents and players alike. And I think that this, this transcends sports, but I'd like it uh, again, if you don't mind to at least start the response with sports and then how it can transcend in your opinion. And Peter, I'd like, you know, I'd like to extend this question to you as well is what are the things that players and parents can do behind the scenes that may not necessarily get noticed or seen by anybody that can help define them as a person or a player? Peter, you want me to go first? Or you want to jump yeah, in? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I like to listen to you. <laughs> That's right. So, <laughs> so uh, let me ask you, uh, uh, Jeff, are you talking about together or just as people in general? I would like to separate the answer if we could, so right. that it could be it could be more like not overgeneralized. So, like, let's start with like, what can a player do behind the scenes? That's that you know they're not trying to have it seen. Like, it's not trying to be like, oh, gotcha. the things I yeah, do yeah. behind the scenes that make me this person. This is. Like, what are you actually doing behind the scenes that nobody that nobody sees or or nobody notices, but but it's defining you and it's going to help you succeed? Right. I'll give you some some examples of that. These are mine, right? This doesn't have to be shared by everybody. I'll tell you a little one. How do you leave that locker room after you leave it? All right. I am. I uh. Well, this is be, yeah. 
look, I just saw, you know, a great example. Like everybody probably saw how team Japan leaves their locker rooms when they're done. Right. And they're not asking anybody to take those pictures. Right. Someone's coming in and taking those pictures. So uh, it's, it sounds weird saying it, but you ask the question, even in my adult league team, I, I, I'm cleaning up the tape after the game. If I'm the last one, I just do it. I, I don't care if anybody's looking or not. Right. Um, it's other little things too, about how are you caring for your teammates? If we want to do this in hockey, right. Are you, you know, it's the little things. It's like, if you're driving to practice and you're the first one there, do you take the closest spot or do you park farther away? So your teammates can have that closest spot. Wow. Um, you know, I, I, I think about things like this. All right. And some people can say it's wishy-washy. Don't get me wrong. It's fun to be competitive and do certain things. Um, am I, here's, here's one, here's one. I don't think this is actually very visible and people don't see it. Are you the player at practice? That's not saying something when you should, when a player's not pushing hard enough. And I see this all the time where a kid is not working hard enough and his teammates are afraid to say work harder. I, I want that player on my team. I'll tell you this right now. And I, again, I, I compliment all them. Caitlin, the producer I talked about, we talked about great teammates before and how I do what I do. She pushes me to do things I don't want to do all the time, all the time. And I'm so thankful for it. Right. I would not be as a big of success if she was not afraid to do You know, she's not afraid to do that is what I'm trying to say. Right. So that's something that's so visible that people don't see. Right. Right. Uh, like, like, like hockey, let's just keep it on hockey rebounds. I, 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 I hate it. I hate it when players do not go for the rebounds, assuming that the goaltender's okay with it. I got to throw that out there. Right. I will go up to a teammate at practice, get your rebound in. You're hurting the team if you don't do that. Do you know what I mean by saying like it's unseen, yeah. but you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I think it's those little things as a player that you think about. Are you conscious that there's tape all over the floor? Are you conscious that, you know, you can, you can make your teammates life easier and you got to do this without expectation of anything in return. That's the key. I don't do these things expecting people to thank me. There is zero expectation when I do these things. That is the key. All right. I'm not doing it for recognition. I'm doing it because it's the right thing to do. And it makes me feel good. You know, parents, you want an easy one. Do you compliment the other kids on the team? Are you only complimenting your own kid? Huge. I see that one all the time. Not your kid. Right. Or how about the other team? I remember, you know, you just made me think of this story. I just realized my father used to bring this up all the time. And I, I think I just realized why. When I was in high school, um, I had a season ending injury. So I was I was uh, not able to play, but I was on the bench every game, like, you know, there. And I remember we were playing a team and they had a kid. I won't say his name, but he was a effing superstar. This kid is getting 10 points a game. And every opponent hated this kid, you know, because he's, you know, he's living the dream. He's going to go NCAA. And I remember after the game, I went up to him and I said, Hey, I just want to wish you the best of luck. You're like, you're a great hockey player. And I remember my teammates were so pissed at me for that. And my father said to me, I'm so proud of you that you did that. And I remember at the time, like, I don't, this is kind of where I was. I didn't understand the big deal. I mean, this kid's really good. Um, But that's the type of stuff. Like I saw potential and I was happy for him. I didn't see it as a threat. 
maybe it's because I was injured at the time. Possibly, you know, my my competitive like on ice instincts were not there in that moment because I'm not playing. But you know, I look for that. You know, here's one. I, I, you're making me think of all these ones. I coach youth hockey. When the opposing team's goalie in youth hockey, got to stress this. If the other goalie or another kid on the team makes a great play, I say great play. And I'm not looking for recognition. I just think that was a great play. Yeah. Can right? you, or, you can be like a Freudian slip, like, wow, great play. Right. I'm not rooting for them to win or anything like that. No, it doesn't have right? to be at all. Yeah. But like, 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 you know, I, another thing, like when I'm coaching uh, or if I'm with, uh, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm at Mike games with my kid, you know, I don't, I'm not coaching my team. I'm coaching all the kids on the ice. That's how I look at my hockey. Right. So, so I'm not trying to say I give the other team a one up, but if there's a battle in front of me or something, yeah, let's go boys, everybody, let's move, let's move. I'm coaching all those kids. That's my, that's the role in my hockey. You're not, you know, I, I hate when they put outside tournaments. I hate that they put the score up in Mike games. I hate it. It is so beyond the point of that level. Well, we need to teach them to be competitive. They're competitive. Look on the ice. They're competitive. All right. This is development. All right. And the score, you, you know, you want to see bad hockey, watch a bunch of eight-year-olds play into the score. You'll see some really bad hockey really quick. All right. Now you, you don't put the score up there. You're going to see something better, some development. You know what I mean, guys? So, so these are the little things I look at from coaches. Um, these are the things I look at from parents. And, and again, I think the key is this, Jeff, Jeff, again, it's a long answer again, but the key is this, whatever you're doing, like to answer this question, this is for, you got to do it without expectation, right? You got to do it without wanting something in return. If you can get to that level, I mean, this is the whole holiday gift giving thing just all the time, right? You don't, you feel better when you give someone a gift. All right. You don't expect a gift in return. Hopefully. I mean, some people do kids (laughs) do, right? (laughs) You got me socks again. Oh no. You know what I mean? So, so uh, just remember the socks that you hate this Hanukkah, this Christmas, uh, you know, a hundred years ago, that was a godsend for somebody. Yeah. You know, and and again, just Jeff, we could do a whole episode. You said you're military history buff. I'm I'm in that, that realm too. You know, you want to talk about anchors. When I want to feel anchored, I think about American GIs past and present. Someone's waking up today in a war zone fighting for me to have this conversation for you. That gets me anchored pretty quickly. And you know what? You know what the key is on that? You know what they're not saying over there? Man, this person owes me. Most, most, you'll love this. I'll end on this and I'll shut up. All right. (laughs) One of the the coolest moments I ever had with military. I got a lot of great military stories from talking. You talked about J.B. Spizo before. He's an amazing human being. So honored to know him. But I remember one time uh, a friend of mine came back from fighting overseas. And he was fighting. Um, and I, I was so angry because people didn't care. People just did not care that, that these armed or these soldiers, the armed forces were over defending us and fighting and dying. And I was so pissed off. And I said to him, like, how do you do this knowing that no one here cares? And he goes like this, he goes, Lee, I'm doing it. So you don't have to care right between the eyes on that one. I was like, wow, that, that, what a, what a perfect answer. Right. And I'm still, still a little bit pissed that people don't seem to pay attention to this stuff, but you want to talk about being more selfless, take my friend's answer. That's a mic drop moment. Totally was. Yeah. Right. Selfless service. I'm doing it. So you don't have to care. So there's your baseline people that are listening. (laughs) That story is your baseline. What have you done for your teammates lately? What have you done for the other teams lately within reason? 
your other parents, your other friends, your other coaches? Have you thanked Have you thanked your coach for putting in the amount of time that they put in? Have you thanked the ref for showing up? Did you thank them? I don't care if they made a bad call. Did you thank them today for being there? Because you can't play without them. Yeah, facts. Did you thank the backup goalie that sat there and drove two hours for the loss? Are you thinking about these things? <laughs> you know, I think about these things. And, and you know, honestly, thank God that that you do it. And, and there are others that do as well. And Of course. As, yeah. As, yeah, but it, but it's it, to, it's too few and far between. But we can change that. Look, look I want to I make sure it's totally true. we can change that together. Yeah. yeah. If you're listening to this, if you're doing these things, share it with someone, right? You can change this together. We, we, we got to do this together. There's no pathway forward. I can preach till I'm blue in the face. We got to do it together. And we got to believe in that again. We got to find that belief again that we, we're, we're supposed to, we're humans. We're supposed to work together. It's yeah. like biologically ingrained. We're supposed to be in, in, in clans together. We just got to find it again. Turn off your phone for a minute. <laughs> this is our clan this is our thing right i, I like yeah. to call I, I like to call hockey our thing it's it is our thing it's it's you know we were talking before about the differences between hockey and just basketball fans right like right. Right. we are a completely different breed as players as as fans you know and you know then you start getting into even little subcategories like you know a long time ago a coach said to me are you a hockey player or are you just a guy that plays hockey and i thought that that was a profound statement because up until then i didn't i didn't really know i mean i i knew it in me but i didn't know how to express that verbally like be eloquent about it like what the difference was yeah one of my favorite quotes is is hockey is not something you do it's something you are Mm. and i i tell people if you play you understand that yeah yeah (laughs) that's not it's a tough one if you don't play yeah or you get the, the Ron Burgundy. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I'm not really sure what that means. Right. Yeah, it's it. Hockey's not something to do. It's something you are, right? You feel it. Uh, it's like trust, just like family. You've got to feel it. You know, trust those instincts. And Peter, I don't think anybody really knows more about that lifestyle and that, that living and embodying than you do. Uh, when did you... When did you like really come to terms with that? Like, how old were you when you just said, this is, this is, this is it. This is what I'm doing. This is the path. Well, it was in me right away, but you know, I didn't realize, you know, till I really left the hockey world, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's something that, uh, and and I know some players personally who just play hockey because it's a great living. You know, for me, it was very different. I uh, love the game. I, you know, it maybe sounds kind of cliche. I didn't care about the contracts. I, I was just happy to wake up every morning and go to the rink and do, do my stuff and do my sticks. And, you know, I was as excited for practices as games for some That's reason. That's awesome. Yeah. Like I love practices. I, I, I had so much fun in practices. You know, just to, you know, hit five hole of Marty and next now <laughs> and hit five hole, you know, again. It's just something, you know, it's it just, you know, like for me, for me, if you if you really love hockey, you just love hockey. And and I every time I walk to the ring and I go to myself, like, do you smell the ring? like just the smell of hockey ring 
And it's just something that it never gonna leave me. I'm very fortunate, very fortunate that Nikki find a passion for the hockey also. Mm. So for me being there with him, you know, I really didn't leave hockey. Like I, I left my personal hockey, my personal game, but I never really left hockey. Like it, it, it gets stuck with you, gets stuck with you and that's it. Like, you know, if, if you really love this sport, it's never going to leave you. And how about two that I, I'm always thankful to have multiple loves in my life, you know, outside of family. Like how I always say, how fortunate I am I that I have multiple loves on this plane of existence. Yeah. Some people don't have that. Yeah. yeah. I think about that a lot too. Yeah, definitely. But there was something you said about 20 minutes ago. I know you said a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, no, I talk uh, a lot, I guess. <laughs> but whenever you want to do the podcast, my wife, my uh, my hero, you said it perfectly. Right. You you say it perfectly because, I, I don't know, it may, for some listeners, may sound it weak, but for me, it's so true. We, we, without my wife, I really would be nobody. Like I'm telling you, I can be a Stanley Cup. I want the Stanley Cups. I want that. I want that. I want that. But as a person and who I am right now, without my wife, I would be total nobody. Well, I'll tell you this too, Peter. And, you, and you, you can yeah. talk about that for hours on the next Oh, month. easily. Easily. But you, you know what? Let's bring it back to Jeff to your question before. How do I know if I can trust someone? If I say, hey, my wife's my hero or I, I really love my kids and they see that as weakness, you just answered that question pretty quickly for me. Yeah. Right. Uh, in fact, I lead a lot. I lead a lot with telling people that, you know, uh, they ask me what I do. You're, you're like this. What do you do? Well, I'm a father and a husband. I'll say that first. It's a test. I want to see how you react to that. Right? Cause if you have a visceral reaction to that or like a, what you just told me something about yourself. Right. And I want to know, I want to know, do you prioritize those things the same way I do? Uh, and, and yeah, Peter, we can do that. We could do that podcast. My wife, the hero, because uh, my wife is a hero literally, but also, uh, yeah, for me too. I mean, she challenges me. She has made me a better person. Her family has taught me a lot. I hope to God that I've returned it. Right. And, and, and that's, that's, you know, not that we're getting a marriage here, but that that's how I'm finding a successful marriage. We challenge each other. Like I talked about on the ice. Like she's not gonna let me slide. She wants me to be better. And I want her to be better. And we're doing that together. And guess what? My kids probably see that. Yeah. I'm I'm sure that they do. And even yeah. as somebody, like I said, I, I my my son's on the way. I noticed things about my parents growing up that, you know, I we've never even spoken about, but in my head right now, you know, things that I'm sure that they don't think that any of us remembered about. And it's totally remedial things, right? But that 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 translates and, and transcends down to us. And then, you know, that turns us, that helps turn us into who yeah. we are and, and how we <laughs> approach life. And, and that's, and, and that's why not to take like a kind of turn here. I apologize if it, if it, if it goes this way, but that's why, you know, Peter and I like to talk about these moments where you may not understand that your child can see you, whether it be that you're watching practice or you're at the games or the car ride home or, or any of those things, or maybe it's the conversation you're having with your spouse about the way that your child played that game. And maybe you don't think that they're around, but that energy is around. And maybe that, you know, you brought that into it that could completely transform their love and passion and right. their trajectory as per anything in life. But it's, you know, we keep just to keep it to hockey. Yeah. 
you know, it could it could completely transform all of their thoughts and and it could even destroy hopes and dreams by one you never know whether it's a parent or a coach like and i've said this to to clients before like you never know what that one thing that that one coach can say to you that can right change your life and you for totally. you as a coach it could be the most like nonchalant comment about something you know that it's just like an off-the-cuff comment and that could change a kid's life and you know, so you know, I, I'm sure, I'm sure that your your kids see it. I, I mean, I know, I know I hope so. Peter's wife and his kids, and <laughs> um, I'm sure they do. Well, look, I'll tell you this real quick too. You might have to have a part one and part two of this podcast at this point, but <laughs> I, 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 I'll tell you this one. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think this one's important, right? So, so two two quick ones, right? One is if a coach is out there, never be a kid's last coach. That should be a rule. Wow. Right. You should strive for that. Never to be a kid's last coach. That's that should be the worst nightmare of any coach that they don't want to play the game anymore because of you. So never be a kid's last coach um, is a good one. You talked about parenting and seeing things and parents in the crowd. I got to tell you this. Right. So last year was my son's first year of might. And uh, the the coaches asked me to help coach. A lot of it was covid related in the sense of if I wasn't there and covid hit again, uh, you know, I might not be able to watch. So they kind of convinced me to come on the ice and I enjoyed it, um, but it had its own challenges. And I'll tell you this right now. I have never once, never pressured my kids to play hockey. Uh, they see me do it all the time. They see me do it in my life. There's never any pressure. And it's very clear to them that this is a choice that if you want to do it, I'll support you, but you do not have to do this. But I was on the ice the whole year and I was coaching and I was coaching the whole team. And I noticed my son was, you know, he, he was young, seven to eight. Uh, years old and and you know he had his own struggles and he was doing okay but i just got the feeling that me being there was affecting him just got this feeling that the presence of me I, again not not doing anything or at least not consciously was affecting him so this year i made a very conscious decision that i am not going to be on the ice i am not going to be on the bench and i'll tell you what some of it might be him getting a little older but he is having a way better year and he is really enjoying himself. All right. And while I still do the team building with the organization, uh, which they all love, I am so, I take no offense to this. This is a, this is another part of this. I take no offense that he is doing better without me on the ice. If anything, I'm excited about it because he's finding that love for the game. And I think that that's something that a lot of parents have to think about. I'm not talking about just sitting on the side watching practice. It's your presence. You're, you are a God to your kids, whether you realize it or not, not literally, but you're their world, especially when they're younger. You're their entire world. You are the judge, jury, and executioner to their life, right? It's very hard as adults to kind of think that way, all right? But you know, if you study child psychology, there's reasons for this. They actually cannot see the world in another way. It would be devastating to not have that type of structure. So me stepping back, and I'm still there, I still watch, has affected him positively. There's no ego there for me. It was just a feeling that I went with my gut instinct, and I understood that you know I think I'm affecting him, and I didn't want that. So it's a self-reflective story for everybody listening. Everybody's got a little bit of a different situation. When I played, I always wanted my dad there. I, I played better with my dad there, right? My son's not me. Yeah. He's a lot like me, <laughs> but he's not me. He's a whole separate person. I got to respect that. Yeah. Right. And as he gets older, that might change. Right. But 
I, that was, you know, look, it wasn't an easy decision, believe it or not. I really mulled over that for a long time because there's other kids on the team too, right? Like, but, but look, my family comes first to me and I wanted to make sure my son was enjoying it. And I, I feel like I made the right decision. I'm not sure how many people are just kind of thinking that way. I'm not, I, please, I just, I'm really not patting myself on the back with this. This was hard. All right. I'm just trying to explain, like, that's what I went through. Yeah. Um, you know, I know other families where kids have asked their parents not to come because there's so much pressure from their parents. So you got to be attuned to this stuff. That's where I was going with that. Yeah. And I mean, as a coach from the squirt level, I've, I've actually never coached mites on the bench, but I've done from squirts to junior A. Um, mites is fun. It is. I mean, I've been on the yeah. ice with mites, but never actually yeah. coached the level. It's just you know? bumper cars, man. It's just next four, next four, <laughs> next four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Smile and don't give them too many instructions. Just, you know, have fun. That's the key. It might love the game. That's the only goal. I was, I was a part of, of a few teams and I don't want to single any of them out, but I was part of a few teams where quite a few times uh, players had specifically asked, and these are sometimes these were young kids. They specifically asked for their, their parents not to be mm. or not yeah. to be around to, you know, to be able to be seen like, Hey, could you please tell my my dad to go, you know, away from the other parent. Right. I don't want them hearing what he has to say. And it's because they don't want their parent. They don't want them to see their parents. They don't want their parents to see them fail. Sorry. That's what they're afraid of. And parents, I know that's not your intention, but you got to tell them. You yeah. got to let them know that. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, no. It's, it's you're hundred percent right. You, you, you do need to tell them. Yeah. How will they know if you don't tell them? It's, <laughs> it's like, just simple. And, but to, to just circle back to one, one last thing to kind of wrap it up, it's, you know, we talk about being trustworthy and not, and not lying and, and being honest and telling the truth. And I think that being, uh, you know, not being a hypocrite is, is part of that. Oh, it's, oh, it's a fundamental part of that, Yeah, that, you know, parents, I hear all the time, just like, you know, Oh, it was different back then. And I had to do this and I had to do that. Like, and walk oh, uphill both ways. To yeah, school. yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, the old timey stuff. And, and, and that, you know, things were harder and, you know, kids are soft these days. And then, and then, you know, I'm going to call you out. I'm sorry. I'm going to be the pessimist too. Like, and then you act the way you do, which is only perpetrating the problem in which you state that you dislike. Right. So I think, the, you know, the universal you needs to take a step back and look in the mirror and say, what am I doing wrong here? What can I fix about the way that I'm approaching this situation right. that is going to be at the detriment of my child? Because, you know, I can say all these things about all these other parents. And then at the end of the day, you know, those parents are going to be saying the same thing about you because you're the just, right. you're just the same. You just want to point fingers and, you know, a, a lot of parents probably step back and if they hear this and they get a little bit rattled, you know, I'm sorry that I don't really care if I'm offending you by telling you the truth. And it's, you know, it's not every instance and it's not every parent, but, you know, and I'm not knocking you if you have been guilty of this from time to time. It's the ones that are consistent with this. And then like, yeah, the fingers, right. It's like, but you need to take a step back and say like, Am I, am I being too much on them? That's going to actually hinder them. Right. Well, it, look, it comes back to curiosity again, right? right. Look, every, everyone's a hypocrite at some point, including me. Like we're, we're all there. The thing is this, when I, when I find myself in a hypocritical uh, situation, which ha it happens, I don't beat myself up. I get very curious. I'm like, wow, that was quite hypocritical of me. Why 
did I respond that way? And then the reason why people don't do this is because you got to dive into your own psyche and that can be a very dangerous, dark place for a lot of people. Right. Yeah. But, and I, I do acknowledge that. Uh, I'm not afraid to do that though. I, I've trained myself to do that. And I think that, look, take this to coaching. I say this all the time. The biggest threat to any team bond is the coach being hypocritical. It will break it immediately. You cannot set rules for your players and then not follow your own rules. Why should they? I mean, it's, it's it, 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 yeah, that's obvious. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. I have been in interviews with coaches where they've asked me, do I have to follow the rules? Like, yes, you do. Right. So parents, it's the same thing. And and then, you know, Jeff, to like accountability, we talked, it's like bookending the episode now, right? There are levels to accountability, just like there's levels to trust. You can't expect an unaccountable person to suddenly be accountable. You have to kind of escort them through the levels to understand that, you know, completely unaccountable is like what you said. It's not my fault. It's your fault, right? That's unaccountable. Well, a level up from that is it's not my fault. It's still bad, but it's a little bit better than pointing the finger. Right. Right. You got to move up. Eventually it might be, well, it's your fault. How can we fix this? Okay. That's not completely accountable, right? The most accountable and, and the top sports teams have this is there's a problem. How do we fix it? Period. doesn't matter who did it, how it happened. There's a problem. How do we fix it? How do we find a solution? Right. You cannot go from the bottom of that chart overnight. You have to help people. So when it comes to parents or coaches or players, you know, if they're willing to listen and not everybody is right. It's about, you know, listen, when you point the fingers at the other team or you point the fingers at our power play for losing the game, you know, it's a 60 minute game. That's one part of it that we're working on, but we really got to look at the game as a whole and having those conversations. And you're always going to get the parent like, what do you know? You're stupid. You know, it's not about that. It's about you being accountable now and making sure that you're explained. This is how we look at this. I've said it before. It's an extreme situation, but we've all seen that game where with 15 seconds left, the ref blows a call or the, the goalie makes something happen. Well, you lost the game for us. No, you didn't. You didn't lose the game because of one moment. That might have been a catalyst for the game being over. You lost the game because the summation of the 60 minutes, 45 minutes, nine innings, Amen. four quarters it was not complete. Because Amen. I believe, and I've said this before, parents need to understand this. The hardest thing to do in team sports, the hardest thing to do is to get a complete mentally focused effort from your team, every player for the complete game. It's the hardest thing to do. It's nearly impossible. All right. Probably is impossible. You can get close. It's good. I always ask this question. Can you play 59 minutes, 45 seconds of a game perfectly and still lose? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All yeah. right. So that's that's another goal of mine. It's not just to win the game. It's can we play, if it's pro or college, can we play 60 minutes together as near to perfection as possible knowing it's not perfect? It's a journey. You're not going to obtain it, but can we chase it? Changes the mindset a bit. Can we chase that? Can we chase doing that together every game? It's another goal. Right? So, again, I'll go all day on this stuff if you guys it, let me. I, I mean – I'm just sitting here <laughs> just soaking it all in. Like right, I appreciate that. <laughs> please, please more, please more. Uh, but oh, we, we came up with like two new podcasts on this podcast. My <laughs> wife's a hero. And, yeah, no, making things happen here. 
we're gonna add that uh, add that to the list of podcasts that you host. And uh, I <laughs> I cannot I cannot thank you enough for taking all this time to come and oh, talk. Please come on, it goes both ways, man. This is a great conversation. Absolutely fantastic. Um, I, I'm gonna speak for both of us. I've I mean I've caught you know we're doing this over a Zoom right now for the people that can't see us that are listening on on uh, Spotify and Apple and stuff. And I've just caught myself and Peter just deer in the headlights just listening and soaking in this information and it's just been absolutely amazing having you on here and uh i really can't thank you enough and i can't wait to have you on again no listen guys i mean it goes both ways i learned from this conversation as well and it's an honor to be here with both you and again i always open this up to to the audience if if you have any questions or thoughts or anything you want to discuss with me like practice what i preach right Um, i'm totally open for that so just feel free to shoot me an email at lee at game seven group.com. It's fully spelled out or uh, my social is basically at Lee M J Elias anywhere. So L E E M J E L I A S DM me, email me, find me. Uh, I'm, I always love talking with you. Have any thoughts on any of the stuff we talked about today? I want to learn too. So let me know. And if you would like to hear more of Lee, please check him out on any of his many podcasts, but the, uh, the <laughs> ones that I, I truly listen to, I actually really do. I'm not just saying this is uh, win championship traits for life and our kids play hockey. And uh, to one more thing before the end is that it is Christmas and Hanukkah and gift giving time. And Lee, in another one of his nine billion <laughs> ventures in his 6,000 hours a day, has an amazing product that I actually have used. This is 100% factual. I have used this product many, many times. He is not paying me to say this. I'm not. I didn't even know you're going to do this. <laughs> so real quick, just the hockey wraparound is an awesome gift to give to your kids. Uh, you're not spending $400 on these amazing sticks for them to tear them up in the driveway. I highly, highly recommend it uh, so that kids can use their, whether it's their green biscuits or their pucks or their their roller hockey balls or whatever it may be. Uh, they can use it on the concrete, on the wood. They're not going to scratch the floor. The thing is unbelievable. I can't believe I let Lee beat me to the punch on creating this product. Uh, I mean, I'm just real quick before we go, like, how did this yeah. come to fruition? How did this happen? Well, that's a long story, man. Did you, but did no. you piss off your mother and like, you put like, <laughs> around here I, I will try and tell this very briefly because there's a there's a lot to it so when i was a kid uh in the 90s there were no real training aids and my father and i went to a hardware store and we got a piece of sheet metal and a bottle of wd-40 and i lubed the thing up and what you could shoot pucks off of it so it was a really rudimentary shooting pad my neighbors probably hated me because i was taking 500 shots a day off this thing and it, it was clanky you know what i mean um but I, I was using training aids in some form at a really young age. And the idea of blade protection on a stick is not new. There's actually patents going back to the 1900s on stuff like this. So so people had thought of this idea, but my business partner, Matt, and I uh, had this kind of dream after the steel one was made, um, which we did really well with, that what if we could make this out of a really high-performing plastic? Um, and we spent a year, this is a story nobody knows, we spent a year looking at chemicals and plastics and really studying mixtures to find the right mix to make it flexible, durable, and last. Um, and when we put that out, it went it, it unbelievably went around the world. I mean, we, we built just like we talked about in the podcast, we built trust in this audience and we asked them to tell us the truth and, and be brutal with us and tell us how we can learn. 
And, you know, over the last eight years, we've, we've grown this huge community of people that really believe in it, yourself included, which I really appreciate. Yeah, for sure. Um, I really that, do. It's great. I, I means a lot. Yeah. And, and, uh, obviously during the pandemic, uh, it was needed. Um, and, and like I said, we always say we were very fortunate to be in that position for the worst reason possible, but, uh, obviously that really took it off and, you know, it's gone around the world and, and, uh, it's been great to connect with hockey people on that level and build the trust in the product. It always comes back to that for me of just trust and community and believing in what you're doing. And that's how we found success together. But yeah, it started in England. We were, my, Matt was another air force uh, husband with me as our wives both served. And we had countless hours to, to work on this. And it was just two guys with a dream to create a business. And here we are, man. It's an amazing story. It's amazing. And again, I highly recommend all of you at home to check out the hockey wraparound. And uh, Peter Katsumoto, Lee, this was a very great conversation. Thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you again for tuning into this two-part series with our guest, Lee Elias. We cannot thank him enough for his time on the show and his knowledge he passed along to us and you all. Be sure to check out the hockey wraparound on their website, hockeywraparound.com. We wish you all a happy and healthy new year. Tune in after the new year for more episodes of Katsumoto Conversations. Ahojte všetci, sme kapela zo Slovenska, Cicobent a René Rendy a počúvate rozhovor Katsumoto s Petrom Sikorom a s Jeffom Loubmanom. Oh, lele, tigidita, lele, tigidita, tigidita.